This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Charlotte Chung and Fred Tatashore. And you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time, time Live. It's time. Talk Time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. To come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft. But I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go. Live life and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Folks, I am back. I am so back from a very short hiatus. If you guys remember, you know, we were out last week. Uh, in fact, because it was my birthday, it was the beginning of my birthday week. Uh, my birthday was January the 14th, same day as LL Cool J. Shout out to him out there. I always wanted to go to his parties, probably never will. But I digress. <laughs> we got a chance to uh, hang out in New York, not only to just, you know, have fun over there, but also to case out the joint for future situations, which I will talk about very shortly. Um, it was awesome. We had a great time. This whole week has been a rush of events, you know, which which is the reason why I didn't get a chance to do a select start podcast, because one, there were some video game announcements this week but nothing really big even the uh nintendo uh ultimate smash direct which was okay i'll talk about that i'll talk about that next week uh i just that one right there i didn't feel it was worth worth talking about and then it was not enough too much to talk about and i had so much to do this week as far as actually more meetings than anything and get together like even yesterday um off record so you know shout out to the peloton group i am a peloton owner i am one of those and in fact, the reason why I'm one of those is because one of those are legit. <laughs> that that product is a legit product, much to all of the you know promotion promotions um, that you see out there, and and the big you know controversy with the um, the actors and all the stuff. That 
bike is so legit. Not only is it legit, but it also has a legit community out there. You know, and, and it was a chance to get out off, get offline and actually meet the people who support you and your health goals and everything out there. So we had a chance, my wife and I had a chance to go out to the Philly Peloton group and hang out at Spin in uh, Philadelphia here. It was a really fun event. And uh, shout out to all those. Shout out to Lindsay uh, and who put it together out there. And it was just, it was an awesome time. It really does matter to get offline every once in a while and actually meet new people you know you just the real social media is the the real social is getting out there you know social media should be the beginning process of people actually doing something for real on the outside that's what it was meant to do and i am glad to see people actually doing it i tend to do that with acmg from time to time um you know it does happen I think it's harder to happen with the certain demographic that we work with and because of the culture of it and all. But in all lessons, it's a great thing to do. So I love shout out to everybody who even comes out to our events, our events and such. And, you know, even Kiana's event, the game nights and all this stuff. I mean, it's it's really it's a really cool thing to do. It's one thing to be online every once in a while. It's great to be offline. But not only was I able to do that, you know, you know, we hung out. Like I said, we hung out in New York. And uh, the reason for that was one, I wanted to go see some really cool stuff. And one of the biggest, coolest things that I've seen, I'm probably, I'm definitely a late bloomer in this, but better late than never. I went to Midtown Comics and man, (laughs) I heard the, the legend of this place. It doesn't do it justice. This place is a mini san diego comic-con if you will new york comic-con in itself the exclusive i this the the items and exclusive uh, content that they have there and and stuff it's amazing it is absolutely amazing and not only that they got an app that you could order from and you could have them have items sent to you they this is i i you know i love some of the comic book shops in philly what i saw from midtown I would put in comparison to what I would see, what I saw in Disney, and and I, and I know that's kind of a major thing to say, but as far as the how they handle things, how they do things from a from a production standpoint, um, their customer service is pretty good. Their uh, how they how they do. I mean, like they have an app. They I've, I've never seen any comic book store with an app. Not only an app. A very functional app that you can, you know, order rather comic books and all that stuff. And they actually mail it to you. That is above and beyond anything I've ever seen before in my life. And I would hope that, you know, comic book stores will be able to do it. But this is one of the this gave me hope to comic book stores because. I know we got some great ones out here in Philly. We got Amalgam, who has a hybrid of a coffee shop and a comic book store. So that, that's the big, you know, that's the big concept with that. And that is very successful as well. But, man, to do what these guys are doing to have the exclusivity that these guys have, it blew me away. And I did not get out of there empty-handed. In fact, I went there twice. Um... I went there. What did I get out of there? I got the I got a statue of Brawley from Dragon Ball Super, which means I got now two statues from Dragon Ball Super because I got the Goku from uh, Keystone Comic Con 
in there, and they're really well detailed as well. I also got another Scotty Young Marvel animated statue from there. Um, you know, with this time with Spider-Man and Venom, is it's awesome. It's so well detailed. I love the expression in it. Is Scotty Young is one of my favorite modern day artists right now. Like top modern day artist. He to me is like the new generation Arthur Adams in a sense, and I had a really great time meeting him when I was in San Diego Comic-Con and, you know, having him sign my first one that is in glass <laughs> right now, and another um, Gundam miniature. I mean, honestly, I really wanted to buy so much more, but I was like, I need to get out of here. I really need to get out of here. Um, I, I love the place. I love the place. It took it really hard to really find where how to get in that spot. It, it's a whole upstairs. Like, crazy part is I had luggage that was on the way to thank my wife that she stayed down while I went upstairs, which is probably not a good idea anyway, because I ended up seeing other things that I ended up getting in there. And um, no, we had a great time. We had a great time um, up there. So we were all, like I said, we were casing things out because... We are going to New York Comic Con in October, so I wanted to strategize as to, you know, what's the right hotel to go to and how we're going to prepare this stuff beforehand and all this stuff. So, um, we managed to do that. You mission accomplished on that. But also, in reference to New York Comic Con, uh, I was invited to a intimate setting and gathering and meeting and mixer with the Keystone Comic Con crew. Uh, shout out to Betty, uh, the event manager, Betty, Eddie, uh, Eddie Raymond, who I worked with last year to do the, uh, Overwatch panel and the Street Fighter panel. Uh, he was the one that initially gave me that opportunity and I, it was a pleasure to finally meet these guys in person because I've been working with these guys via email through the start and I even never, it was so busy at Keystone last year. I never got a chance to meet Betty or uh, Eddie, um, Eddie or Betty, <laughs> how, how that rhymed, in person. So this was the first actual meetup with them. If you go to talktomelive.com, you'll see a picture with myself, Betty, and Corey from Repop. And they were just so very nice. And I really appreciate all the hard work that those guys have done for Keystone and what they do in general. You guys have no idea. Like like Kevin Conroy said in a, in a uh, media interview I did a while back, you have no idea. <laughs> of what they do like people tend to people tend to like actually have a misconception of how these things are done as far as like how they get the guests that they get um the preparation the production all that's really not an easy thing to do these guys do it not only just like and, and really great they not only do they do it in a really great way but they do it consistently because once they leave from one place they immediately go take a plane to another place and they travel everywhere sometimes even out of the country they do repop does have cons in india okay so i mean like in other places as well like they repop reaches out to a lot of different areas and these guys work it and we they had this mixer you know thanking every uh you know myself and a lot of other people for what um they did for keystone comic-con and you know gave us kind of a understanding of what they are preparing for 2020 and without saying too much they get ready they are going to be doing some really great stuff i won't go into any detail at this time uh i will allow them to announce it and then upon agreement we will announce it here but i would i can definitely say 
that I am I will be back. ACMG presents Talk Time Live. We'll be back doing panels and moderating panels um, for Keystone again this year, and it's gonna be huge. I could definitely tell you that. Um, I can I can really like I can really definitely tell you that there's a big focus this year and a focus that I've been talking about with them for since they begun, and it's gonna happen. It, it, I I know some things that is gonna happen. I am so excited. I. I'm so, I was so excited after leaving them that I couldn't sleep and I had to get up and I was like I got up at like five o'clock in the morning and started playing Dragon Ball Kakarot because I was so excited I brought what was going to happen and the possibilities of what's going to happen and um, the people that are going to be coming in they got some great announcements coming soon you're going to love it I, I any if I go any way out of that, it's kind of giving away. So I'm not going to say nothing. But what I will tell you is that again, ACMG presents Talk Time Live. Myself on behalf of that, we'll be representing this again for the uh, third year, and uh, in a big way, in a really big way. And not only that, we have talked about New York Comic Con as well. I have never been to New York Comic Con. A lot of you listeners have known that, and not only. I will be there for the first time in 2020. But added to that, I will probably, I will more than likely be hosting panel, a panel, maybe two, who knows, at that event as well. So that has been confirmed. <laughs> so the, I'm going to enjoy New York Comic Con finally for the first time, but in a really big way. And ACMG will represent, <clears throat> excuse me, getting all choked up. ACMG will represent New York Comic Con in a big way. And again, thank you to the folks at Keystone Comic Con, the folks at Repop. This was this is a major honor. This is to me what uh, you know performers like you know J Lo or whoever is performing at the Super Bowl. You know when you get asked to be a part of that event or being hosted at the Oscars, like that's an honorable thing. And this is kind of the our cultural version of that to be honored to host a panel with some really great guests that people will love to see and listen to and hear. And for me to be able to do what I love, what I do on a show, but to do it in a grander stage is really awesome. The other thing that was really amazing that I think I really got excited about, I didn't know this until Eddie told me this at this uh, affair, was that the Voices of Overwatch panel that I went to what I went to, that I hosted and moderated, was in fact the largest crowd of all panels in the event. It was 300, roughly 300 people attending that event. Um, and that's, all right, let me, let me rephrase that. Let me, let me rephrase that. Because the Tom Holland panel was the biggest one. But outside of that was mine. Tom Holland had at least up to almost 5,000 people in that panel to see him. On the same day, my panel was there, and it was amazing. The energy that came from Tom Holland's panel, thank you, Spider-Man, again. This is why I'm a fan of Spider-Man. <laughs> some way, in, some way, he doesn't know it, but he actually helped. That energy resonated all over to my panel, and people loved the Overwatch cast, and Fred Tatashore, and Charlie Chung, and... It was amazing. They, we had a great time. It was one of the best moments. 
of doing Talk Time Live to date. I mean, this is what I was leading for this podcast to do, to be able to do. And it, I felt like it did it in a big way. It did, it, they, I mean, Keystone and Repop did everything to make my goals come true in a big way. And I thank them wholeheartedly and humbly. <laughs> about that so you know get ready people it's going to be it is going to be a great year for this podcast for the acmg brand itself um also shout out to the uh women that represented the garrison uh karate 501 legion i will have them on this show soon this was some of you may know if you're a cosplay um if you're a cosplayer or a fan of cosplayer you may know this legion um it's the star wars legion i met them and heard we talked about what they do and i was so amazed at how much of a community that this legion is i you gotta hear this it's amazing what these guys not only do for themselves and for different cons but what they do in the world of star wars and their canon they are canon to the Star Wars universe. It is insane. And, and what they do. So we're going to have a representative on this show. Uh, rather soon or down the line. Leading to San Diego. I mean, not San Diego. To uh, Keystone Comic Con. And it's going to be awesome. Absolutely awesome. Also, the Philly Avengers, which is a very known cosplay crew in Philly. They are at Keystone every year. They are at every con every year. And they are a huge representation of the uh, cosplaying community in Philadelphia. So shout out to them. They were there as well. Got a chance to meet up with them too. So, oh my God, I am so excited. I am so very, very excited. Now, this episode, (laughs) getting back to this episode of things, we are going to have actually two reviews. It was so, this, this, this week was so big. I mean, we had the uh, premiere of Bad Boys for Life, you know, the return of Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, who I am going to be seeing perform here later on this year uh, in the spring. He's coming to town in the spring. I, I love Martin Lawrence for years and to see him on stage live. I believe we got some phenomenal seats for that event. So we got I got a chance to see him on Bad Boys for Life. And we'll be talking about that today on Talk Time Live. But our talk topic, I, I, I was really debating, like, which one of these is going to be the talk topic? Because these were two huge things. But I got to give respect. The Crisis on Infinite Earth. That's going to be the talk topic because, my God, there is a lot to talk about. And one of the biggest, and you guys know this by now, it was heard around the world pretty much. One of the biggest surprises came out of that to our conclusion. So we're going to talk about all of that, all of that and more. So folks, let's not waste any time. We've talked about a lot and we got to get down to news. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now, it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. Alright folks, so one of the things that I'm really excited about next week is on Netflix, the return of one of my favorite shows and the spinoff to one of my other favorite shows, which is Riverdale, which, by the way, I have not seen one episode of uh, this season of Riverdale because I think it plays on a Wednesday and that's when AEW comes out. So I got to binge back on that. And I know that series is great, but now it's just it's crazy. It's so much content on TV. But luckily, Netflix is always pacefully great and I can watch it on there. Uh, the return 
of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina comes out next Friday. Now, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I watched that, since the second season. Um, but last time I remember, she became uberly powerful. Uh, so, like, really, really powerful. And this is what they were afraid of her becoming. So I think it's leading into what's going on this season because now the, uh, the fate of Nick which is her supposed on and, on and off boyfriend, or I don't know what uh, go, what's going on between those two. Uh, Greendale and Heaven and Earth, you know, relies on her. Like, uh, Nick has been kidnapped, been sent to hell, uh, is, is held captive in hell, and uh, she's going down there to do it. She's like the only person that is possible to do that, especially now where her new uh, dark power that she has gained. And Sabrina has entered hell to rescue Nick and possibly become the ruler of the Dark Realm this time around. That's what they're getting to with that. So expect to see a lot more action, gore, and some more suspense. And, you know, and within all that, some bit of a love triangle or whatever that they always have. You got to have that CW element in here. And they damn sure have it on there. Greg Bellanti, um, again, you know, his production company works with this show as they do with Riverdale. And they're able to take a little bit more liberties with this show than they do in Riverdale. But they don't go too far. Well, as far as, like, they don't have sex, like... They don't have like really like major sex scenes or whatever like that. Like this isn't Titans. Like you watch the CW uh, Arrowverse and then you watch Titans. It's far beyond different. You know, that's a whole different universe as we now discovered from Crisis on Infinite Earth. But they remain still kind of within the PG-13 realm, but it's a little bit more violent. They, you know, they it's a little bit more gory and gratuitous and violent in this one. And they do touch on a lot of the Satanism in here. So, but still, almost like in an anime type of way, they try to make light of it in a sense, not to glorify it, but to just, you know, give it another perspective of it and another insight of that world. So it's, it's crazy. It's what's really crazy is I used to be a Jehovah's Witness when I was a kid and we would, I would never be able to watch this show um, when I was a kid because of that faith, that, that doctrine and faith. Or that sect religion, if you want to consider it that, which it is. Um, so I, I would do. I'm sure they've possibly had sermons in the Kingdom Hall about shows like this in this day and age. It's crazy, but you know, it's coming. I'm looking forward to it. I love the cast. I love the you know the story and narrative of it. They did a great job with that, and um, I'm still waiting to see the actual crossover between the two. It's gotta happen. It has got to happen. They're also doing another one. Um, I, I don't know. I think Nancy Drew, I was told, was also a somewhat of a in, in the Riverdale universe as well. And then there's another one coming out pretty soon that we talked about. I forgot the, which one it was, but Josie is going to be in that one, too. And there's the connection of the Riverdale thing, which, I, again, I don't understand why they just, just didn't give Josie her own show. I don't I really don't get it. Like the Josie character is a major character and a nostalgic character to many. To make her another side co you know at co-star or co-character in a major story, it to, to me that kind of rubbed me a little bit. It, especially this version of um, Josie. So either way, we'll see. I love what they're doing right now with the show. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, season. I'm going to be binging with this one. Uh, into some gaming news now. Square Enix. If you 
are a fan of Square Enix games, and if you're a fan of Square Enix, then you know this news is nothing new or nothing, <laughs> nothing exciting at all. This is like this is this is vintage Square Enix news. Square Enix decided to delay the dates of Final Fantasy VII remake and the Avengers that Square um, that uh, Crystal Dynamics is working alongside with them. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. Final Fantasy VII Remake originally was announced to release on March 3rd, but now will be released on April 10th. So they then they doing this so they can make last minute adjustments, which I I I am okay with this as long as they don't do what they did with Kingdom Hearts 3, which they stretched it so far ahead, years that it, by the time it came out for me, I was just. I didn't care. I didn't care about that game at all. I really did not care. And it didn't, it, the, the long, this was when it was like better late than never. No, it was just way too long. It was too little too late for me with that one. So I didn't enjoy that game as much. I don't know if the, the length of time had anything to do with it, but it was just, it's just, I waited too much time and I had so many other great games come prior to. It was like, eh, all right, whatever. So hopefully that won't happen here, but you know, stretching it over to a month, later that's not entirely a deal breaker for me not at all um avengers on the other hand was um originally announced to release on may 15th now unfortunately it will be released sometime in september which is the fall okay so my initial thoughts with this is that one square enix always does this this is like this is not just like the first time this is not the second time the third time they have done this so many times dating back probably to the ps I think even the original Final Fantasy VII had delays. But the reason, but the good part about with Square Enix, the positive for Square Enix doing delays is that they want to absolutely make sure that they make the best game possible. And at the end of the day, they do make the best games possible. You know, whether it be RPG, action RPG, or whatnot, they really do it. So when, trust it, have good faith that even though the hearing of delays i don't i'm starting to wonder honestly i'm starting to wonder if this is a more of a marketing ploy than it is a actual situation that they always deal with all the time because it happens way too much i don't and if it is i don't understand what that strategy is and i don't know what they're basing off but what they 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 hype a game up then they give it a release date. And then for some odd foreseeing reason that, you know, they have to, you know, delay it again to another date. It just seems it, it, it's becoming formulaic at this point. And I don't understand what leads to this other than they just they want to make it tighter. But they, it happens way too much. I'm at a point I'm like. Are they doing this on purpose? I don't know. And if they are, I don't understand what, what would be the strategy for this. So I remember um, Final Fantasy 15 was a game that they said they were building for 10 years. I love that is if all Final Fantasy games did I truly enjoy like like canon initial Final Fantasy games, even Final Fantasy 15 is my favorite because they made it for everyone. It was a fun game 
It was absolutely fun action RPG, and they also made it to be a traditional RPG as well. I love the story. I love Noctis and all the characters in there. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, Final Fantasy VII, I do love the characters and narrative of that, but I never beat the original game. To this day, I still never beat the original game, even though they even have cheats in the original game now. Um, but this version... I'm definitely into because it's an action like they did with Final Fantasy 15. This is an action role playing game version of it. And I'm sure they're going to have the traditional option to play traditionally as well. Um, but I am looking forward to this. This made hop. What I love about 15 because it is seven and seven is legend. <laughs> so you do what you did with Final Fantasy 15 and do it for Final Fantasy 7 or what all of those did when they did um, Crisis Core back for the PSP. Well, I really wished I, I say this all the time, but I want uh, some way, somehow, some way they need to bring that game back out rather on for the PS uh, four or put it on or translate, have it being played on a Nintendo switch. That game is collecting dust and it was, it's probably the blueprint of final fantasy 15 and now final fantasy seven remake, because it was, like one of the original action RPGs for the Final Fantasy universe, it told the story of Zack, which was like a spinoff from Final Fantasy VII. I think I played that game like two, th two or three times. It was really well done. It was really that good. I love that game to death. And the fact that I can't play it anymore, it's... And they never made it digital either. It was uh, UMD. So I, I believe I still have the disc, but I have a PSP Go. So unfortunately, I can't play either. So there's the dilemma with that. And he never made it, like I said, never made it digital. So I can't even play it on, uh, I can't even play it on my PS Vitas. So it is, there, there is the irony and dilemma with that. But I, it, Avengers is one thing. Um, the Avengers, I am anticipating now to play that game because now it's starting to look really good. And they're working hard to make it really great. They had a really rough start at the beginning at E3 trying to show it out. And it didn't make the best of first impressions with uh, us fans. And uh, gradually the evolution of it is coming in and is looking great. So now I'm more anticipating for it. Much like I am with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Now because they went back and fixed some things to make it look uh, visually uh, stunning and stimulating. But... I am not really stressing that September date or the fall date too much, especially because I we have, you know, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which has been phenomenal since its debut. We got the X-Men expansion. We got the Marvel Knights expansion. The Fantastic Four expansion is coming, I think, next month. So we'll have it all. Great story, great gameplay, great character design. You can't go wrong with that. If you need to, if you need some Marvel you know, stimuli, if you will, before uh, that comes in. Go buy yourself a Switch if you don't have it. You should have already had one by now. And go get that game. That, I can tell you, is one of the reasons why to get a Switch. You can't play it anywhere else but the Nintendo Switch. It is every bit as great as Marvel. Especially if you're a 90s Marvel fan, They there's a lot of great uh, homage or homage uh, to play in the Marvel Universe for the 90s. There's a lot of it in there. I mean, you got Cable, you got Jim Lee's Cyclops in there. And um, man, it's 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 fantastic. I, I absolutely love it. You gotta you got to love it, man. So 
you got that going on here. And um, Final Fantasy, I, I guarantee you all both of these games are going to be great when they finally come out. So I have no hope. So, you know, hold tight. If they stretch it longer, then you got enough to complain. Let's give them the benefit of a doubt for this one delay, at least. So um, I want to switch on to manga news because uh, shout out to Kiana and, uh, and the ACMG Facebook group for, uh, showing this. This was really, really interesting. Uh, there is a manga that is celebrating its million sold volume. It sold a million volume copies in Japan for a reason. This is the most, it, one of the most intriguing and one of the most, and one of the biggest reasons why I love anime and love manga. So many eccentric storylines and, 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 and narratives that come out of uh, Japan. This is no different. Uh, a manga about a former Yakuza member turned house husband called Gokushu Fudo or Fudo uh, or Way of the House Husband. It is uh, celebrating its 1 million sold copy and they're in celebration of this they did a commercial for this, this is a really cool commercial. Uh, in the commercial, you see the man, uh, the main character known as Immortal Tatsu, in a in a slick yakuza uh, suit, uh, where he wears an apron over it and cooks for his wife to, who's off to work. Um, he takes this job very seriously, and as he does uh, work it with the yakuza, like he's very he's very stern, very uh, observational. Uh, very minute, if you will. And this commercial made me want to check out the book in, in, intently. <laughs> and, you know, I I thought the concept is very cool and intriguing. But isn't every manga and anime, you know, to be honest? Like, seriously. I, I got to find this. I got to find a way to get this. I got a feeling Midtown has this comic. And I could probably get it from there more than anything. So that's something that I consider checking out there. But go out of your way to check it out. It's again, it's called Gokushu Fudo, uh, Fudo or Gokushu Fudo or The Way of the House Husband. So go out of your way to check it out. It's a really cool thing. And you pr go out and check out that commercial, too. It's really awesome. So um, other biggest Marvel news this week was the trailer. We finally get to see the trailer for Morbius. This is very interesting here. You guys remember Venom came out and it was met with mixed reactions for the trailer but even mixed reviews for the movie mostly teetering over to the bad i gave it a bad review myself when i finally seen it. i refused to go to the movies to go see it but i finally saw it and i i was right i didn't like i didn't it wasn't it wasn't for the sake of the actors per se it, it had nothing to do with the actors. It was like Fantastic Four, the recent, the last Fantastic Four movie. It had nothing to do with the actors. The actors are known for being phenomenal. Tom Hardy does make a great uh, Eddie Brock, but unfortunately, the premise, the narrative and story did not go well with me because, one, he's, just, he's not a hero. He is a bona fide villain. Morbius. Morbius would be more of a, he, he would be more of a hero than villain. In this whole thing but the fact that they legitimately made venom a hero it, it irks me because venom is known as one of spider-man's greatest before before it went to tom uh, flash thompson he is known as one of the greatest villains spider-man has ever faced one so great that spider-man was afraid of him 
He's never been afraid of any of the enemies that he's ever had. He was afraid. He was afraid for himself because he couldn't sense where he, he where he could be. He could be anywhere. He was afraid for Mary Jane, who was terrified by that suit. And they made him a hero. It, that was to me was every bit as upsetting to me as Mystique becoming the leader of the X-Men. I that to me was just like, what are you guys doing to this canon or this franchise? Even if even if this is another universe version of it, or whatever. It's still like, are you kidding me? This is stupid. This is it makes no sense. It makes no sense to you know to get fans to really want to see why they love this character so much or why or why the casual fans should love this character. So this one has Jared Leto going at his second attempt to being a comic book um, character. You know, he played the Joker on the uh, Suicide Squad and, you know, was not the best Joker ever at all. I don't, I think it was more of the direction of the character more than his portrayal. They gave him a more gangster version of it and it just didn't work out. It's just like, that's not, we don't want a, a, a gangster version like of the joker he's just psychotic you know if you look at what you know uh jack Juan phoenix uh did and you know in joker and you heath ledger did in joker and jack nicholson like you know there's that essence that's the essence that you should be doing and man jared leto he unfortunately it just didn't work out for him i think it may work out for him here Jared Leto tries it again at playing a comic book character in the Marvel uh, Spider-Man universe. And now the big question asks whether it is, in fact, connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We say that because we see hints of it in the trailer of Morbius. And he, you know, he passes a mural in the alleyway that has the writing of murder in there, which immediately... You know, I mentioned this, and all of a sudden, comicbook.com mentioned it as well later, like shortly after, like a day after or something like that. Uh, I mentioned that on on um, the Marvel, what was it? The Marvel on IG. There's a Marvel Cinematic uh, Facts page that I love uh, that has grown exponentially because they work their asses off showing facts off, and they mentioned the trailer in there. But I mentioned that you know, the Morbius, the this, the the, the um, the mural was in here and i don't think a lot of people realize that because it just flashed so quickly so you got to go back and look at it and i think during the second or third time i would look at the trailer i was like oh because people were people were really focusing on was adrian tombs played by michael keaton who was on there and we they at imdb if you go into imdb they still don't say who what character he's portraying but he makes subtle hints and he portrays himself exactly the way adrian tombs was on spider-man homecoming so is that the vulture from spider-man homecoming is it another version of it we don't know but also the mural on the wall that says murder also kind of hints at the recent spider-man from far from home at the very end when mysterio made him vilified him by projecting a villain image of spider-man so i don't know we they they they're making really blurred lines here with this and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that but i put out a poll in the acmg facebook group about this and surprisingly because outside of enter the spider-verse there hasn't been too much success in in live action spider-man movies now granted 
Into the Spider-Verse is an animated ver- version of the movie, and it was one of their most successful Sony Spider-Man movies since the original first two Spider-Mans. And they've done, like, five Spider-Man movies, and now they're doing two spin-off movies of this. And technically, um, Into the Spider-Verse would... Well, Into the Spider-Verse is, the, is fifth. And that was... Not only was that the best, that's an Oscar-winning movie. So technically speaking, that is the best Spider-Man movie Sony's ever made. The most successful Spider-Man movie that they made. It got an Oscar for Best Animated Film. So extremely deservingly so and i'm glad that of all <laughs> animated movies to get that was one of my favorite characters of all time it doesn't matter whether it's peter parker or miles morales still my favorites <laughs> you know? so surprisingly the anticipation for this is very interesting 65 percent of our acmg facebook members voted that after the trailer that the movie could possibly work with jared leto in air with the premise of this storyline um if you don't know about morbius he is a scientist that has contracted a disease and he's trying to fix you know he's trying to cure himself and by doing so he does so with this you know i guess with this element that turns him into a sort of a vampire and this was something spider-man has always tried to help him with but he you know michael morbius has always been conflicted with being a vilified character and also being a scientist trying to cure himself but in doing so he has the thirst for blood so he has to survive in doing so he has to kill people to do so so this is where spider-man comes in and tries to help him but it's it's a he's in the gray he's in the gray so he can be somewhat of a a hero character more than venom can be uh, so it kind of fits out. It kind of works out for him for this character more. I think um, this possibly myself. I I'm in the percentile of this could possibly work. Um, Jared Leto can actually. I think this is more of a fit for Jared Leto than 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 the Joker. I just the Joker just wasn't the there his version and portrayal of the Joker. Not his fault. It was the director's fault or the writer's fault or whatever. His version of the Joker just was not working for them. Um, but 35% voted that they were afraid of that this movie was going to be a fail and they have they're a little bit more cynical towards it. So, but my thoughts like I said, I'm in a, I'm in a 65%. I think this might work. There's potential and mostly because that the it's based off of the it's mostly based off of it's, it's a possibility that there is going to be a connection to the MCU and I think that's the biggest intrigue of it all. I think if it wasn't, I think people would not support it more or less than it was. The fact of seeing Adrian possibly, allegedly, maybe Adrian Toomes is on air, uh, Michael Keaton in there, and the, the fact that we saw that mural, that brought some hope to the fact that there may be some connection there. So we will see because we will see another Spider-Man film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and possibly there may be a connection and there's rumors and there's talks and there's hopes that he may be in the next uh tom holland as spider-man maybe in the next doctor strange movie there is a heavy talk or belief that that is going to happen it's more it's way more rumored than it is anything right now and if that's so that can be a tie-in to how he may end up in the sony universe as well so um we will see from that so last bit of news i want to talk about is my quick review if it's going to be quick of bad boys for life the third 
long-anticipated movie starring Will Smith and Mar- uh, Martin Lawrence. We finally get this movie. Doesn't uh, give us the hope and dreams that we all need. Doesn't uh, meet expectations of the first two Michael Bay films. I would say right now, yes, it did. I thought I really enjoyed this. The uh, people in the theater uh, when I went was balling out laughing throughout through and through this whole thing it was extremely entertaining this take note this is the first bad boys movie not directed or produced by michael bay he had nothing to do with this movie well not everything to do with this movie uh but this was a non michael bay movie and we got to see a different direction with this movie but still getting keeping the essence of what made bad boys great and what made, what michael bay made great michael bay for, for all you know intents and purposes is a really good director he does really he has his great moments and when he works with live action movies he really shines on that one now granted with all the years of him doing transformers we got a chance to see some bayisms if you will in his in his filming directors there's some there's some formulaic things that we now notice about him that he does the way he pans the camera around uh certain character you know um actors and characters in the movie um certain dialogue uh certain certain dialogues that he does in the movie um if you watch any of the transformers movies you start to see the repeated dialogue styles and the narrative styles and the camera styles um you don't see that in this movie in particular there's some different things that they do here that kind of, it, that makes this movie refreshing it's not just another wrench a um wrench wash repeat or watch wrench repeat whatever um you know type of format there are some different things that happen in here but they also do pay some homages to these styles they do bring back some subtle bayisms in this movie so that um which it makes it great because it's just subtle it you know i I, to me it's like it's them paying homage to the success of the first two films and i had no problems with that at all so um at the end of the day this was a really good long-awaited follow-up to the last two films um we see detective matt lar played by will smith and mark um and marcus detective marcus uh, burnett played by martin lawrence back but older as the two fight uh between still going strong in the streets or finally settling down you know being family just retiring being you know having a family and and such so marcus uh, who's now a grandfather or a pop pop as he likes to put it wanted to retire after all the years of creating collateral damage in the city and and you know stopping crime uh matt on the other hand still loves the adrenaline rush of being a detective a badass you know that 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 dude that boy and um he's a forever in you know and being a forever ride or die dude never wanting to settle down and have a kid and or a family now this part plays heavily into the storyline by the way this is a not this right here is a non is, is a non-spoiler version review i just want to point that out this move i should have said that for the beginning i I would not spoil the plot of this movie at all. It's still fresh in the weekend, and but I can definitely do so without telling, uh, you know, the really twist, the big twist and cliffhangers of this whole entire thing. So um, the two come to grips as longtime criminal adversaries, uh, a longtime criminal adversary of Matt's uh, life 
in career come back uh, to not only kill him or tr uh, you know try to kill him, but everyone that caused them pain in the past. So Matt and Marcus ha uh, now has to try to stop this threat before it kills everyone they know and love and dies. So um, this again, this, the the story here was very simple. I thought it was very simple, easy to follow, but also had some some. Um, what was the right word? It, it had some depth to the movie. It, you know, it's it's a it's a blockbuster popcorn movie at best. Now, you know, just for full enjoyment, nothing that needs to have an Oscar. It just needs to be fun. And I think that they once again succeeded with that. The the charisma, the chemistry between the two is still there, is even stronger than ever. Uh, even though they're like years older now, and you were wondering, could they still have that? You know chemistry could they still have be able to do the things that they would do in the original two they managed to work it out without doing smoke and mirrors with anything will smith still looked like will smith even after all these years he always kept in great shape martin lawrence even though he's a little bit more you know um he you know added on a few in the years and he's older now he still managed to do so and still do great and still do some great scenes with um you know the cast and everything it was it they they did really great job making these two still feel like the bad boys of old while still being you know fully developed and more established in, in seasons um this time around uh not only that they got a new cast of crew that they are now working with um the ammo crew if you will uh so i mean there's a lot of great cast in here a few of them going to put out vanessa hudgens you know, without a doubt, you know, she's been one of the spotlight figures that's been going around doing interviews for this, you know, for this promotion of the event. And there's a reason. A lot of the new cast that they had in there, they had them subtly in. They managed to get their time in. They managed to get a lot of some action in. And they actually got some story development in here to some extent. So it, they didn't overshine. They didn't undershine, I felt, in here. I thought they did a great job. And, you know, you were able to see some. They had their moments. They had their great moments. Vanessa Hudges, who was playing the ammo um, police, you know, task force member from ammo. I forgot the acronym of ammo, but um, it's a task force where kind of a CSI type of thing where they really see where the you know if, if there's a weapon that's being used they detect where the weapon is how um how the intensity of the weapon and where it led to where it came from in the first place so she was she didn't have too much too many speaking roles but she she did manage to shine and she got a, there was some definite action in there she came in like a badass like very wonder woman esque in there so she came in like full like they they came they made sure they um made her look really good and powerful and empowering in this movie so i loved her in there and uh hopefully we'll get to see her again um when a sequel comes out because it looks like that a sequel is leading to coming out after this um charles uh, melton uh from riverdale reggie <laughs> reggie mantle from riverdale one of my favorites he plays a character as rafa rafa uh or i forgot how they pronounce it but he is kind of the passing of the torch to matt and Matt still wants to be that man, but this is the guy that wants to be like, he wants to be the next online. He wants to be the one to take the next, you know, helm uh, in, in the city, you know, being that being that guy. So and he kind of does take it from there's a really funny scene in there where he where he kind of outshines Matt in there. It's really funny. Um, you got also Alexander Ludwig as Dawn. He's like the big, you know, soft teddy bear. But um, they look at him. He's like, he's 
This dude's huge. He looks like he kill. He, you know, he massacre. But he's kind of a pacifist in a sense, and for a reason. So um, they lead into that. You got Jacob Scorpio, who is the main antagonist of this show. This dude is a badass killer. Uh, he's the one that's going to be, you know, being a big hassle for um, for Matt Lowry, uh, and for a big reason. There's a huge reason in here. I won't spoil that, but. Armando Armas is no freaking joke. You also got uh, Kate Del uh, Castillo as Isabel uh, Aretas, also one of the main big villains and one scary badass in this movie. These are the two antagonists of the actual movie. And saying any more will spoil the plot and the twist in this movie in here. So, just know that they were did a. You're gonna love them if you haven't seen this movie yet. You're gonna absolutely love those two and what they do throughout this entire film. It's gonna be crazy. Um, Teresa Randall, I love Teresa. Teresa Randall, especially in the '90s, was one of the hottest black female actors in the game. She was sexy. She was empowering. She was like, I mean, she set the standards for like how elite like she was classy she had that felicia rashad type of you know feel you know <laughs> and um she was always awesome on in these movies and she played once again she plays um marcus's wife also named Teresa. <laughs> and there's some really funny great moments with her as well here uh and surprisingly dj collett was in this movie uh, he played manny the butcher and which it, it which not was was not a far cry from his normal DJ Khaled character. Funny part about that was that like, if you ever, I, everybody loves DJ Khaled, but it was like if you ever hated DJ Khaled, you would love him in there because him and it, his interaction with um, Will Smith's character Matt, it's it's funny as hell. It is really funny as hell. Um, some great moments aside from that DJ Khaled and Will Smith uh, Matt Lowry interaction was seeing the kid from, I believe he was on Bad Boys Part 2. The kid, when they, it was one of the most memorable moments of Part 2, or the memorable moments in the Bad Boys uh, franchise, when they met Marcus's daughter. I mean, uh, when he met Marcus's daughter's boyfriend who was going to be taking him out on a date, and they tried to intimidate him, and he's taller than him and bigger than him. He actually is still with her, and she they actually had a kid with her. So he came back. It was great to see that dude. And everybody, everybody in the theater had to have been fans of this movie in the franchise because they immediately recognized him the moment he came on. Uh, he was shown on camera. And he did the same exact thing because there was a scene where he ended up having a kid with the daughter. And they end up seeing him again. So, I mean, that's if I anything to spoil, he's back. That kid is back in there. I loved it. So um, seeing Michael Bay again in a cameo appearance was also great too. So, And again, the cameo nods was great. Trust me, this little bit of things that I mentioned here, uh, they're just moments that I felt was great in here, but there's some really great action. There's some really twist. You know, there's a big twist in the plot of this movie that I will not say. What I just mentioned right here, nothing compared to that. Um, but overall, love this movie. If I was to give it anything, I would say B plus A minus. I really enjoyed the film. It wasn't like out, like blown away, um, outstanding. I mean, but it, it really 
I thought they did a great job. It 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 was a refreshing feel to the franchise. You know, still some you know little tiny little bayisms, but a lot more great aspects from this uh, series. And I got to give respect to the director of this movie. Which give me a sec, I will do so. Da, da, da. Oh, that's right. It was a two. Uh, it was a two-person thing. It was uh, Adil and Bilal. Uh, was who's directed this movie so i'm not familiar with these two but kudos to them they did a tremendous job on here and uh i love it i love the movie go out of your way to check it out if you love the first two movies i think you're gonna really enjoy this one as well so that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're gonna take a break come back and we really gotta get deep on crisis on infinite earth because there was a lot of things to cover uh here that i enjoyed it won't be, i don't think it'll be a long one but it was the two-hour finale it, I, I'm going to just say now, and met up expectations, superseded expectations. We're going to talk about why right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dak Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langan, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Tom Gibbous, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. And it's not a drag. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Fight! All right, folks, we are back with our Talk Topic of the Week, and it is our review of the last two episodes, the conclusion, the epic conclusion to Crisis on Infinite Earths. We had a two to three week, I believe, maybe two weeks hiatus from the show, and of all days... It falls on January the 14th, 2020, a.k.a. my birthday. And what better gift than to give me the most explosive, climatic episode in the history of the Arrowverse? And what better present could I have had? I think this was the gift that was for not only myself, but for everybody. Because what came out of this was probably, one for one thing, I'm going to say it now. Crisis on Infinite Earth is of all based on all of the crossovers that they've done. Each crossover became better than the last. This is without a doubt the greatest crossover they have done. And believe it or not, they've done a lot of epic crossover episodes. And this one, this one killed it. I mean, just based on first the last three episodes and all the fanfare. All of the Easter eggs that were in here, the cameo appearances, the uh, the homages, the, uh, the homage or, that was paid in these episodes, and it, it and it didn't stop there. It came, it continued on the la- these two episodes of just bringing all of these these episodes, these these universes together, from the Batman universe of '89 with Tim Burton to. Um, my god to the uh, dc universe bringing that together 
But the biggest news, and this was the one thing that we never thought was going to happen. A lot of us didn't. And it actually happened. Ernza Miller, version of The Flash, made an appearance in this episode, meeting with Grant Gustin's Flash and the Speed Force, intertwining, interacting, meeting each other for the first time. Not only that, Grant Gustin's Flash introduced himself as the Flash when Ernst Miller's Flash did not even call himself the Flash yet. If you guys remember, in the actual Justice League movie, he never titled himself as the Flash yet. So in hindsight, Grant Gustin's Flash helped name Ezra's, uh, I'm sorry, Ezra Miller's Flash. So there is the biggest connection between the Arrowverse and the DC Films universe now. It is all connected. This is exactly what fans wanted to see, and we got it. Not only was this the biggest secret kept in years, this secret was so tight-lipped that I believe that the cast members themselves, outside of Miller and Gustin and maybe the writers and the director, did not know about it. Melissa Benoist actually wrote on on social media that she was blown away and did not know this was happening. This was the biggest secret kept. I don't think a lot of the cast members, they kept it so secretive. He came in in his full gear and Grant Gustin came in his full gear. It was a really great moment. It was, matter of fact, it was, I know she wrote that on Grant Gustin's uh, Instagram because he posted after the reveal of that, he posted the pictures that they had taken. Um, they had a bit of a photo shoot with those two together wearing their uh, their flash suits. And it was just so freaking awesome. It was one of the greatest moments of the entire thing. And it was like, it, the one thing that we were always tying, you know, talking about when it comes to the era versus like and when it came out with justice league is like why did they make a whole new justice league movie why not just do this you know build on the success of greg Berlanti's arrowverse and bring it into uh, movies because as you saw when they do crossovers like this they know how to do it they make it epic it makes sense well now at least they can say that they did con- they do connect in some form or fashion because they got their own universes and it, it works now. It's just absolutely phenomenal. It was a great moment for us to see. This, this, this entire crossover met and superseded expectations from a lot of fans. I, like even in our ACMG Facebook group, when we were watching, we were texting live while we were watching this and the response was insane. Out of all of that, there was just one cynical fan out there that you know decided to be i guess he he was being contrarian about the whole thing he just he didn't like it that's his decision that's what he want but he was literally the only one person that was not a was that was not for it and if you look at grant gustin's page and you look at that particular um that ig post that he did you know because of the new testing system that they're doing now with instagram you don't see exactly the numbers but when you reach a certain denomination like in the thousands they'll tell you it's just thousands 
Grant Gustin's IG post was the first time I've ever seen the word millions on there. Not just one million, millions. That was a success. Whether you like whatever you saw or not, the majority stands. And millions, millions. I don't know. That might be probably the biggest. That pro- It has to be. It, that has to be. I got to look at his page. I got to look at his account. That has to be the biggest quantity of people, the most quantity of people to ever like on one of his posts. I don't think he's ever gotten a millions in there. That is huge. That is that is a symbol of success right there. But moving on to the rest of it, I mean, it was just great. We got to see Oliver become Spectre, which was an amazing thing to see. Um, and if you guys don't know Spectre, Spectre was a character in DC Comics. He's kind of like sort of a supernatural character. Um, He's kind of, if you mix Ghost Rider and Doctor Strange together, you kind of get Spectre. That's pretty much what he is in in, in all hindsight. But Oliver took over the helm of becoming a Spectre and 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 route to uh, to fight the anti-monitor because the uh, the original monitor was no longer existed. They uh, killed him off thanks to um, Lila unfortunately and uh who was being controlled by the anti-monitor and they managed to somehow you know the the paragon the paragons or the par is the paragon yes the paragons they all uh managed to get uh to stop him and rebirth the entire universe so thanks to oliver who actually opened the portal to re to uh you know just starting it over again but in doing so Oliver sacrificed himself once again. I think he died like three times in this in this <laughs> series. He died once. He came, but no, he came back. I think he died twice. He died twice. Um, he came back and then he died again. But this time is permanent. And by doing so, but the great part about what I love when um he was explaining the now what I can't go into detail. I won't go into detail, but there was a part where the which how we got the two flashes, the flash interactions in the first place is that they were going into the speed force or something to try to gather you know all the people that they needed to um but they went back and they went back in time to different episodes that we saw throughout you know the seasons um the elseworld episode is where grant gustin actually figured out or or barry actually figured out that Oliver was going to be sacrificing himself, but he wasn't telling him what he did. And Oliver finally told him. Now, the interesting part about this is that Oliver revealed that in the future, both Barry and um, and Supergirl were, were supposed to die. Now, the interesting part about that is that in the original comic book, they do die. Those two actually die in the comic book. What they did here was kind of acknowledged that was that was the original plan from based on the comic book but oliver this was was able to switch it around and uh and change the fate of them so i like the fact that they really did not add that also the other thing i like is that at the very end on part five supergirl they actually did the scene where supergirl was going to kill the anti-monitor but in doing so sacrificing herself now that was in also in a comic book as well, 
And that's where she ended up dying. They end up teasing us really well with that. And then flipping, like literally flipping the script from that and changing it and, and, and ended up not being her. Um, if you guys also remember, Oliver Queen was not in the original Crisis on Infinite Earth. Anyway, he was at the very end. I, I read that book. I didn't read. I didn't see anything at all except for the very end when they say he died. That's it. So he was fully on this one, and this is why everything started changing and how they were going to do it. This to me, this entire episode or this entire crossover series, in comparison to the book for me, and this is just me, I enjoyed what they did on this series a lot better than what they did in the book. And that was possibly due to them modernizing both the narrative, the dialogue, because if you go back, this is a very, this book, as great as and cherishes it is for people, I wrote, I read it for the first time in modern day. So I got a modern day perspective of things. So like the dialogue is really outdated. They speak in themselves in third person a lot. Um, there's some things that, there's some dialogue that you wouldn't say in today's standards. So they, they really did a good job modernizing this story, making it great for fans who read the book, but also great for casual fans and people who love the Arrowverse, but don't know about Christ on Infinite Earth to be understanding of what's going on here either. So I, I totally enjoyed what they did. To me, this was this story, what they did with these five episodes was as airtight as you can possibly have done for this. Now, the one big question that still stands here, and I guess we'll get that next week from um, the next last few episodes of Arrow, is what in the hell happened to the kids? Arrow's daughter and, and, and uh, Diggle's son or whatever like um, that, and, or adopted son. Uh, there's a lot to be answered here. And the fact that Diggle now has a daughter, so that's an interesting thing, um, when they rebirthed all of the uh, situations. So now, also, knowing, also um, noted is that the actions of uh, Oliver as Spectre and, you know, the Paragons is that they are all now in one universe. That is including Black Lightning, uh, who came back, um, the Legends of Tomorrow together. Um, they're all in the same place. So now we have, we literally have a rebirth, which they actually did say. And if you are a DC fan, you know the rebirth is the term that was used for the new rebooted universe of DC after the 52. So they, I, I thought they did a really great job. You know, a lot of, like, if you're a DC fan, you have got to love what they did with this. You just, I mean, you got to. They, they, so many, whether you're a fan of the movies, the animated series, the, or the live action. I mean, like, it's, it's, they did so much. John Cryer as Lex Luthor is possibly the best Lex Luthor I have seen in years. Not since, um, my man from, uh, Smallville, who actually plays the Flash on, uh, Justice League Unlimited. So, uh, I, I, they, they, they were outstanding. John Cryer is absolutely phenomenal. And he's alive again, so it's going to be interesting to see where he goes with this. Because a lot of us were talking and we're like, this is going to lead to the Legion of Doom. This guy, this has to. This just abs Like, if they do another crossover, it has to be the Legion of Doom. They did a lot of hints of everything. And at the very end, they kind of do have the Hall of Justice now. Because Grant Gustin, through, I guess, an abandoned Star Labs, they 
you know, worked out uh, where they're going to be meeting up at. And the round table also made an appearance with all of their chairs and even one dedicated for Oliver was there as well. It, and, and what they did with Oliver was really good. Um, his uh, Stephen Amell send off was so well done and so classy. And, you know, thanks Stephen, Stephen Amell. Thank Greg Berlanti for nine years of this phenomenal show that led to all of this. That show, whether you like the last few seasons or not, if not for that show, we would not have got a Flash, we would not have got uh, Legend of Tomorrow, Batwoman, coming soon, Stargirl, coming soon to something else. I mean, even the DC Universe, like Greg Berlanti, really, he is the reason why the CW is where it is today and how successful it is. I, that Which is why he's he's got to be so stupid rich right now for all the shows that he's producing for the CW. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So, if you, by God, have not seen Crisis on Infinite Earth, <laughs> what do you, or for, for the hell with that? If you haven't seen any of this, um, this, the actual crossovers, go out of your way to go see them. Whether you do it on Netflix or you do it, hopefully, CW has all of the episodes for free that you can watch on their app. You can watch every single episode. As it is, you know, in, in the right order there. But I also hope that they uh, put in all of the actual uh, crossovers. Because for, when I went back to look at all of the crossovers, I had to first go online to a wiki page to help me put everything into order to watch it leading up to Christ on Infinite Earth. And then I had to go into Netflix to watch every single episode or skip uh, episodes or whatever. I mean, it was fun but it was still tedious i would i hope cw manages to get all of the crossovers put them all in one swoop or dc universe uh app put them all in one swoop or whatever because it it, it, these are great episodes these if you want to get somebody to really understand why people love this these shows and why they're so popular that you got to watch these crossovers that is the easy way to get you into wanting to watch everything all over again and then also recommend a second season of arrow when Deathstroke was there. Oh my God. Really, really awesome. So, uh, Guardi, way to check it out. They, uh, they outdid themselves insanely. You know, if you thought that the, um, Arrowverse was, you know, diluting, no, I think this made them stronger than ever. I'm looking forward to Stargirl when that comes out, whenever that comes out. And, uh, man, they, I think there's a whole nother, you know, we we talk about Marvel, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, man. For what they've done for movies, Arrow, the Arrowverse, or the DCW Universe is what I like I always call it, is doing the exact same for primetime TV. So go out of your way and check it out, folks. That will do it for this edition of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I'm glad to be back, and also glad to be doing another episode of Select Start this week, which I will be reviewing. Dragon Ball Kakarot, um, the latest game in the Dragon Ball universe by Bandai Namco. Uh, this action RPG game is looking to be a pretty interesting one, so we'll talk about that and any other news. And I may actually have another smaller review because uh, Puzzle and Dragon came out. I want to talk about that too. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, I definitely want to go and talk about that as well. So, folks, thank you so much. Please, thank you. Keep supporting us. 
and we'll keep loving you and keep bringing you the best in all things anime, comics, movies, and games. And stay tuned because 2020 is going to be so sweet. I guarantee you that. Keystone Comic Con, ACMG, Talk Time Live, partnering together again for possibly the biggest event to date in the city of Philadelphia as well as New York. So stay tuned for all that as well. So we got a lot of news coming. We got it. You know, who knows is going to be on the show coming soon this time. So stick to all that. Stay tuned and keep supporting us. Remember, we're on TalkTimeLive.com. You can check out all the episodes there. You can check out our exclusive interviews on TalkTimeLive.com forward slash exclusives. You can go on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Google Play, whatever. It's Google Podcasts. Um... Stitcher, uh, Podbean. Oh my God, he's getting so much. And now Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're there now. You guys have all the access to find this show. You help if you listen to it on Amazon. It's on the. It's on. It's on. Uh, you just ask for. Uh, ask for Alexa. She'll get it for you. Talk Time Live is everywhere you want to be and everywhere it should be. So, folks, thank you so much again, and thank you for the support, and I love you all for doing so. Here's to a great 2020, and who knows where from there. Folks, that will do it. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.